Our guest in this episode is J.D. Gonzalez. Uh, J.D. is a Wish sibling, volunteer, trained Wish Granter, and fundraising host for Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. J.D., welcome to the Wish House podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. So uh, I'm a firefighter down in Yonkers, so my schedule's all over the place. Um, and then when I'm not doing that, I'm with my son, running around after him. Busy, busy. Busy, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I hear yeah, you, no, man. Not a lot of sleep. <laughs> I can imagine. Then how old is your son, Robbie? So he's two and a half. Two and a half years old. You have a pretty busy schedule uh, being a firefighter, you know, you know, dad at home. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. You know, when you started volunteering back in 2012, what motivated you, I guess, to volunteer at that time? Sure, sure. 2012 was uh, interesting for a couple of reasons. So at that point, um, I was a social worker, not a firefighter, and I had um, just basically got a job down at the uh, Bronx VA hospital, and um, so I was just getting in the rhythm of like the nine to five, the new job, and um, and for a while, uh, I'd always wanted to kind of reconnect with Make a Wish. We had my brother had had his wish granted back in 93. And, um, at that time I was nine, he was six. So, um, you know, after the wish got granted life, you're still a kid. And, um, I felt like when I first got that job, life started to chill chill out a little bit and was able to, um, kind of, uh, look into how to become a volunteer, how to get involved. And, um, and that's when I started. And this was, pre-being married, pre-having a kid. So there was a lot more time on my hands. Um, and then when the fire department, I switched careers and, and went to the fire department, uh, time was available in a different um, in a different capacity with the schedule that we have. Um, and, and you shared a little bit about and, your brother having a wish. And you, what was his wish back in 1993? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so in 93, his wish was to go to Disney which, um, which was amazing. I mean, so like I said, he was six, I was nine, but I mean, I can, I remember the wish granters coming to the house. I remember, um, you know, getting picked up, um, in a limo. I mean, I could go through the whole. Yeah. uh, Share with us everything. everything. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you seeing kind of him as his older brother kind of seeing it all unfold, you know, through your eyes. So, I remember the wish granters came to the house. It was two ladies. And um, during the course of the, the visit, um, my brother turns to one of them and starts saying like, oh, you're so beautiful. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I'd like, I would marry you because you're so beautiful. <laughs> and so that spurred into like this impromptu, like unofficial, like wedding ceremony between my brother and one of the wish grander. <laughs> Bro, I have never heard that story before. That's the first time I heard that. Yeah. So, uh, so it just gives you a glimpse on his character at such a young age too, because he doesn't understand the whole marriage and all that stuff, but right. he just, uh, his limited understanding of it and he was just throwing it out there. And um, so the wish granter, and it goes also to to kind of like the 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 character of the wish granters that we have, you know. So that had to be awkward for them, and that had to be something that was you know threw them off. But they rolled with it, you know. They were really I don't remember uh, remember them being uh, awkward about it. They just rolled with it, and it was all part of the visit. Um, so after doing that ceremony and then finally him identifying what his wish was, which was to go to Disney. Um, they had set up the dates. And then I remember, um, I, don't remember, I forget what the time frame was between them visiting and us leaving. It feels like it was a matter of like probably a week in reality, it's probably months in between with his treatment schedule and everything. But um, I remember we got picked up uh, at a limo, got t- taken down to the airport, uh, and we flew, I want to say, pretty sure we flew first class down there, uh, which I always joke around was like the last time I flew first class anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and 
and just that part there. So it just us being at the airport in the first class lounge, I remember. We have a picture that we have in my house of the two of us sitting in the lounge and we're kind of giving each other bunny ears. That was like the funny thing to do in pictures at the time, you know? Yeah. I think it was like I think the first time we saw that was like Bart Simpson doing that on The Simpsons. So we right. thought that was so funny. And every time we took a picture, there's like a bunch of family photos of like us doing that to my dad or to each other. So there's a picture of us in the airport lounge doing that to each other, like so excited to go on the trip. And that's uh, so cool, man. Yeah. And I remember like we got I, we got like luggage to go on the trip. And um and uh, I was like matching. So that was like a big deal. And um, but I, also I the, we also remember us going to uh, the Give Kids or the World Resort, which to us was like mind blowing because we've never been to anything fancy like that before. So that that was like for people that don't know, Give Kids the World is basically like an all inclusive resort, but for kids. So instead of having like uh, you know a pool bar, they have an ice cream bar that's open basically all day and all night. Oh, they have um, a huge pool. They have huge um, amusements within the. the the resort itself. And then from there, they have uh, transportation that can take it to the different parks. Um, so that just by itself is, is a lot of fun and really cool as a family member and for the, and for the wish child. Do, and, do you have any, do you recall any memories at gift kids, the world between you and your brother being that he was kind of, you know, just very mis mischievous, I guess, and just always finding a way to make things fun. Um, do you recall like ever, like just some story that maybe you guys had just amongst you guys, um, whether it was staying up late one night and playing pillow fights or, you know, cause I could see that happening. Cause you, cause you shared with me in the past that you and your brother were also really into like wrestling, like WWF at that time right. before it became WWE. Right. So if right. I was a kid at that age, nine and six, and I'm in, I'm in a place that is not my house and I could pretty much run around and do almost anything I want. I would totally be doing some like elbow piles, like doing a whole bunch of moves, DDTs and, and everything. <laughs> so right, do you guys right. get caught up in anything like that? I don't, I don't remember us doing that there. That's not to say we didn't do that at home. True. True. <laughs> doing, you know, swinging off of, um, swinging off of doors onto the couch, onto each other. Um, so he was younger than I was, but it didn't slow him down. And, um, Another thing I, he would do if I if I really got on his nerves, um, but because I was the bigger brother, you know, he would try to push around or whatever and really not get anywhere. So he would have um, the oxygen that he would wear it was a nasal cannula, which is up his nostrils to give him the oxygen. So when he got really mad and he wasn't getting anywhere physically, he would take off the nasal cannula and use that like as a whip. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Uh, how that sounds but no but you know what bro i mean that's that's him being a kid right i mean and, and i think that's one of the things that you know uh, a lot of people and, and some of the listeners that will be listening to this podcast you know at the end of the day our wish kids are kids um right. they're going through something ex extraordinary in a way that they no one could ever you know never, no one hopes for or wants but they're going through it and they're going through it as, as like champions in a lot of ways you know really fighting um, but at the end of the day, they're still a kid. So, um, they still want to have fun. They still want to, you know, laugh and they still want to watch cartoons and they want to do all the stuff that kids, you know, their age are doing. And, um, and I think that just goes to show that, yeah, he needed his oxygen, but if he needed to whip you a little bit, cause you were annoying him, right. He was using whatever tools he had in front of him to, exactly. <laughs> to, to make exactly. his point, you know? Right. So that, that, that's, right. uh, that, that's just what a kid does. And also too, it's like typical brother fashion, you know? Like, so we would do that, you know, and then, you know, five minutes later, we'd be sitting watching a movie together, you know, side by side, hand in hand kind of thing. So it, it just, uh, I think it's just typical. It's, you know, it's a, it's not a typical situation that we were in, but the relationship was as typical as, as you would expect for brothers. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, and I guess, you know, my next question, you know, with regards to the experience, the wish and everything, you know, after a wish is granted, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of things that kind of come with that. But how was it for you and your family, like coming back from the wish after having a week away, really, where you guys were just free um, to kind of do your thing? 
how was it kind of coming back to the reality of kind of like the day to day of what life was for you guys at that time? And looking back as an adult, like you had mentioned, it, it was nice to have that week where we were just together and we weren't, you know, who was going to be with my brother while he was in the hospital and who was working, who was, you know, how, who was coming to pick me up from school because both my parents were with my brother at the hospital, you know? So, you know, just having that time, you know, the time that we were there, you know, going to Disney, going to Universal and staying at the resort and all that, that all, doing all those things was a lot of fun. But in the bigger picture, it's like just having that time together um, uninterrupted by uh, life and like life circumstances was, was one of the most amazing things that, that we could have gotten during that time frame, And, um, you know, not to take it to a dark place, but unfortunately that was the last time that we were all together on vacation. So that's, you know, uh, uh, bittersweet because, you know, it, it, that was the last time we were all together. So that's obviously sad. And, but at the same time, it's also like happy memories that we were all together doing all these amazing things, taking part in all these attractions and, you know, uh, staying at a place where, uh, you know, it wasn't our house. So it wasn't like, um, which is, it, which was nice just by itself, not being home. So, right. um, I guess the afterwards it was kind of it's like bittersweet. Like it was nice that we had that time, but sad that it had, a, it was over so fast. Right. And, and, you know, and, and, and thank you for sharing, you know, about your brother, Robert, and how, you know, how the wish was for him. He, I mean, you know, talking to you and knowing you over the years um, since, you know, you became, you became a volunteer. You know, I've heard a lot of the Robert stories, you know, over the years and, and in bits and pieces. And even today, you know, you're, you know, still hearing some cool stories of him. It would have been great to have known who he was and, and met him because um, it seems like we would have had a lot in common the same way you and I have a lot of things in common. Um, so it would have been really interesting. But, um, you know, do you feel, I mean, you mentioned it earlier in, in the conversation that you were a trained social worker before becoming a firefighter. You know, do you feel like that experience of seeing your brother go through his, his journey? Um, do you feel like that in any way influenced you in your, in your own career path, like moving forward? Like, uh, did that kind of come up in any way for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the main motivating factor of why I became a social worker was because of my brother and his experience and uh, and our experience as a family, you know, and at that time, you know, as a kid, you know, you want to be able to help him, you want to be able to help the family, you know, because um, you can't wrap your head around the situation, but you know that he's sick and you know that everybody um, is hurting because of that, you know, him, obviously, and then the family, because they're trying to do the best they can for him. So definitely. And uh, as I as I got older, you know, it, it kind of social work kind of teased its way out as being that way of me helping people. So yeah, absolutely. And then uh, getting older and then being able to, um, uh, wanting to not just give back professionally, but also wanted to do some type of volunteer work, uh, prompted the kind of in me to look into, well, where is the, the nearest Make-A-Wish chapter? Where is that located? You know, because at bare minimum, I was thinking like, well, this is something I want to at least write a check to. And then when I did the homework and I'm like, oh, wow, this is right in Tarrytown. All right. Well, now I'm in like I could, you know, I could drive there in less than an, in less than an hour. I could be there in the chapter. So. Um, but, yeah, definitely um, big motivating factor for social work and wanting to you know, be a help to people. Right. And when you became a volunteer, um, did you. You know, obviously it was it was within driving distance, which made it a lot more convenient for you to get involved. But did you have like any idea of what, in what way you wanted to volunteer when you started? Because you've worn a lot of different hats, you know, in your time with us at our chapter. You know, you've you're you help out at events. Um, you, you were trained as a wish grinder yourself. So you were granting wishes to, to other kids. And um, and you've also been hosting a lot of fundraising events, which is really your main focus now. It seems like um, you've kind of shifted your your gears to that. So throughout your journey, I guess as a volunteer, did you find that every every particular role that you that you kind of took on kind of led you to the next one in any way? 
Yeah, definitely. So first, when I first came in to, to the organization, I didn't know all the I didn't know all the different areas that there was to get involved with. All I knew was wish granting, and that's what I wanted to get into. You know, just to you know uh, to give back what I what me and my family received from my brother at the. Um, so that's all I knew, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, and as the more I worked towards that goal, like you're saying, it did it. it uh, it opened my eyes because I opened my eyes to being part of the speakers bureau, and then, you know, um, you know, or the uh, different events, you know, sitting for, at information tables at different, you know, community um, uh, community uh, events. Uh, yes, thank you for that big word. I could not think of my own. Uh, <laughs> Bro, it's been I, a I long. It's a, it's Friday, man. It's been a long week. <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. And I like to blame it on coffee, but I had two cups already too. So I can't even say that, <laughs> but yeah, definitely just the, the more involved I got, the more, uh, avenues that I saw that struck an interest in me and in ways that I could kind of, um, uh, advocate for how great an organization that I feel that this is. And also, um, that's the other thing too. I feel that the more I got involved, the more I learned about how the organization works, um, how much of the money that gets raised goes to the, uh, the wishes most importantly. Um, and also too, you know, being older when I got into it, uh, you know, you, you start hearing about other organizations and how they're structured. And unfortunately a lot of other organizations aren't structured the way that make a wish is in the sense that most of the money, you know, like when I donate money, I know that most of that money Right, I want to say over seventy percent of that money, and I could be wrong with that figure, but it's up there. More, it's more than it's 70, 73 cents of every dollar goes directly right. towards wishes at our chapter. Right. So I wanted to say right. So so I wanted to say seventy percent, but seventy three cents per uh, to of every dollar goes directly to wish. So right there, that you know, I was feeling good about you know wish granting and fundraising before I knew that statistic, and then you know. Then learning that made me feel even better and more comfortable with asking for donations because, you know, by nature, I'm not very, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty quiet person, you know, uh, I'm not very uh, outgoing. So, you know, the idea of like going out and trying to fundraise was kind of, was intimidating at first, you know, but the more I got involved, the more information that I had under my belt. And again, knowing that 73 cents of every dollar that's raised goes directly to granting a kid's wish makes you feel a lot more comfortable asking for money. Yeah. I don't feel funny about it. Cause I like, I know that that's where the money's going to. And especially when, you know, you see other people that are involved in other charities and you see that they have no qualms about asking for money for their charities. And then when you do the homework and you know, and then you find out that those charities, it's almost flipped, you know? So 25% of every, to every dollar goes to grant doing something with that charity, you know? So, uh, I went on a little bit of a tangent. There was another point I was looking to make before I got <laughs> off on a tangent. No, but that was but, it. I mean, um, but that that's kind of what the question was, which was, you know, seeing, because everyone has their own journey when they volunteer. And there's people that are going to listen to this podcast that may, are kind of like you, either they're a wish sibling or, you know, a, an extended family member of a wish child, or maybe they don't, they've always admired the organization from afar and want to get involved in some way, but they in, in a similar fashion are maybe a little intimidated with, with what they think is the ask of them, which is most people think that when they volunteer with Make-A-Wish that it means that they're going to work on wishes directly. And it doesn't necessarily right. work like that. I mean, at least definitely not at our chapter. I mean, we have a process in place where everyone gets involved with events first. Obviously this is all pre pandemic. Um, but you know, typically that's the way it would work right. that we would have people get involved on events, get get to know us as a chapter. We also want to get to know those volunteers. And then as we continue to, to grow in our relationship together, then all uh, other doors would be, would become open, like being part of, like you mentioned, our speakers bureau, where you're sharing your story, uh, your experience of the wish um, with members of our community at different events and things like that. Then we have other volunteers that are helping on the wish granting side. So they go to an additional training for that, or, you know, or, you know, you also served as a mentor for other wish granters as well, which is an additional training. You know, so there's all these different ways that people can get involved that 
outside of wishes, it's still really important work because it's like two sides of a coin. You have one side is the wish and the other side is the mm-hmm. fundraising side and you can't have one without the other. So it's yeah. it's one of those important things that a lot of people are doing like yourself. Um, a lot of the, a lot of you guys are doing this behind the scenes and most people don't see that. Um, they see the wishes, which is important. You know, we want them to see the end result, which is these amazing experiences that these kids are able to have. Um, but at the same time, the reason for this podcast is to shine a light on everyone working behind the scenes to make it happen. Um, and you're a perfect example of that because you started, you know, with volunteering in a lot of different ways, wore a lot of different hats. You know, you worked on, do you know how many wishes you, you worked on approximately before you kind of started taking a break on wishes? I got the number in front of me, so I can I can help you out here. So it's a, it's approximately about 15 wishes that you okay. worked on. And a lot of the wishes you worked on, you know, were for for kids that were more um, you know challenging to work with because either they were nonverbal or they were more medically complex. And you always raised your hand and were open to working on those wishes. What kind of motivated you towards that? Because that's also not something that every wish grinder is necessarily always open to do right off the bat. Um, and you were relatively new when you started taking on a lot of those more more challenging wishes, you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I would say what motivated me for that, I think, given given my training as a social worker, you know, I, I, I felt a little bit more confident in some of those cases. And then, other, uh, and then for another part, too, just feeling... Um, you know, a sense of, you know, obligation. If I'm going to feeling that if I'm going to be part of this organization, you know, I'm going to be a volunteer. I want to be a wish grantor, you know, okay, this challenging case comes up, you know, all right, well, let me make an, an attempt, you know, like maybe I'm not comfortable with it or I feel like I'm a little nervous going into a situation where the child's not verbal and their family doesn't really speak English. So, uh, you know, but I'm going to go try, I'm going to go try. And if I can't, and if I can't, then I'll let you, you know, I'll let you know, I'll let somebody at the chapter know, and we'll go from there. But, you know, uh, just, I guess, given my strong, uh, my strong uh, affiliation with the organization, my strong desire to, you know, uh, give back, kind of push past the, um, the uneasiness of those wishes, those struggle, those hard, uh, you know, quote unquote, those hard cases, I guess. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because I, I know for a fact that there are going to be people that are going to be listening to this and wondering after hearing your story and wanting to get involved and they're not sure how to get started or what role they may, they may fill when they join the organization, hearing your story of how you kind of went into it little by little and you tried different things and you kind of pushed yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone at times, how it only further benefited you down the line. You saw it opened the door even wider for you to see all the different ways that you can help the chapter. And I think that's an important message to give and to share with people. Yeah. And for anybody, yeah. And also too, for anybody listening that's interested in volunteering, interested but, you know, feels hesitant because like, ah, oh, like, you know, I'm not that creative. So I, I don't know how I would be with wish granting and, and um, or I'm, I don't like public speaking. I don't know um, how comfortable I'd be with fundraising or going out to these events. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, I, I, I was very fearful of public speaking, you know, uh, and I still stutter over myself, but, you know, because, uh, but you, but when it's for something like this, you find that you, um, you get support from the chapter, you know, from the organizations that ask you to come and speak or come to, um, an event for an information table. Like they're usually very supportive of, of, of the chapter to begin with, you know, so it makes it less intimidating. And also, too, the more you get involved with the different um, events and different trainings, the more information that you that you gather, and then that makes you feel more confident when you go into different situations because it's like because you know more about the chapter, you can answer the questions, and, or you know kind of you know what people are going to be asking or what um, they might be hesitant about. Um, and, I, and again, I, just to circle back, the, the staff at the chapter um, has been, has always been, you know, the nicest and most supportive 
throughout from you know from when I first started to now, uh, which makes a big difference because you know you the you know because you could you could you know feel super passionate about the cause of an organization you know and really want to get in there and get your hands dirty so to speak and uh, and do all these things. But if when you have a question and you call the chapter and you get somebody that's not nice on that's nasty on the phone, that's gonna like de-incentivize you to, to do anything, you know, or, or it's going to make it harder for you to do the good work that you want to do. Where my experience with the chapter is anytime that I had a, uh, a question or a concern, you know, no matter how dumb I thought it might be, you know, anybody that I spoke to on the other end of that phone at the chapter always was maybe, you know, uh, always felt, I always felt supported and was also, also like super easy to talk with, you know, like very personable, um, I mean, that's everybody from, you know, Tom, the CEO, all the way down, you know, to like the interns, like everybody is super, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's passionate about what the mission is. Um, and you could see that, you know, and you feel that when, when you, when you're there and where you're talking to them. And because of that, I think it makes you more um, open or more willing to kind of throw yourself in. Um, outside your comfort zone. Right. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was, you know, the reasons why you volunteer and, and for anyone, and you, you gave some really great advice for anyone that's kind of thinking about volunteering. I mean, you also encouraged your mom and your aunt to volunteer with you as well, which is pretty, pretty cool. I mean, we don't have many multi-generational families of volunteers at our chapter and the ones that we do, it's always great because you get to really see that it's not just an individual thing um, or an individual motivation, but it truly is like a family um, passion for, for mm -hmm. our mission. And that's one of those things that we really feel fortunate that we have, like your mom has been involved on, on, on certain things and, and the same thing with your aunt. Um, you know, with that said, Caitlin, and of course, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, say now too. of course. Yeah. And you and you and your wife now are working together on a lot of stuff and, and you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm sorry, I missed that. But yes, right. Kate is also a, a, a trained wish granter. And, and I'm sure that Robbie, when he gets older, he'll he'll be a volunteer too, right? That's right. <laughs> he'll, get, he'll get involved with he's the Kids for Wish Kids out. program. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna he's already helping out at the fundraisers. Th there you go. You see, he's get he gets his, <laughs> his, his cute cheeks, he brings the ladies over, and then boom, donations. That's it. <laughs> That's what's up. So um, I guess speaking of which, talking about fundraisers, so you know, you're, you've taken kind of, you've taken kind of a, some time off of wish granting, you know, so now you're focusing more of your time and attention towards your fundraising efforts and more specifically team Robbie. So share a little bit about what team Robbie's about, how did it come about and what types of fundraising have you been doing? Um, I guess throughout the years, because team Robbie has been around for a while. Yeah. So uh, team Robbie is named after my brother, Robert, who had his wish granted, and um, that was one of, I think, the first events that I got involved with when I started getting involved with the chapter. And um, at first, it was uh, team was uh, a decent size, it, but ninety nine percent of it was my family. Uh, but in to, over the years, we've transitioned that to now it's um, uh, it, it's a lot bigger of a team now. Um, and one of the things that I, I was trying to do over the last couple of years was um, have a fundraiser event prior to the walk and have that fundraising event kind of be the kickstart to our fundraising efforts. Um, and my goal for, for that also is that um, before the kickoff fundraiser, I'm emailing people. Uh, I'm not on social media anymore, but um, when I was, I was trying to hit hit them on social media, uh, and then encouraging them to kind of uh, spread, using their social media to spread the word about this fundraiser um, with the end result, raising as many as much money as possible for the walk. Um, so when the fundraisers have been good, because uh, I get people that maybe can't make the walk or for whatever reason, maybe they don't feel comfortable coming to the walk. Um, so I get them, uh, and also too, I, you know, 
I feel like you also doing a fundraiser. Um, so what the fundraiser is too, let me just back up for a second. I was able to um, uh, have a, uh, a fundraising event, do like a happy hour uh, at a bar. And, um, and so, you know, the tickets to come in and then we have raffle, we have raffle items that we people buy tickets for. Some of those items are donated. Um, so we try to acknowledge whatever uh, businesses are donating. And um, so we try to do as many things during that fundraiser to raise funds and make it fun for the people that are coming. So hopefully they'll come back another time. Hopefully they'll tell friends and we make it bigger and bigger. Um, this year due to the pandemic, we didn't have it. Um, I'm hoping that next year we will be able to hold it again. Um, but just from that event by itself, you know, we'd raise a couple thousand dollars just from that event, just from that three hour event, which was really nice. Um, and again, from, from that, you would get people coming, you would hit, you would be, you're able to reach more than just family and friends. So that was really nice. And one of the things I wanted to mention with that is that the majority, at least I was, we were talking as we were preparing for this, um, you know, this interview, and we were looking at where the bulk of your donations actually come from. And, you know, the, there was, it kind of hit us up in three different ways. I mean, one of them was, there was a lot of church donations that you gathered. There was, a, there was a lot from the fire department as well. And a lot of businesses as well that donated mm -hmm. towards your, your cause and yeah. where you're ever, you're going into your efforts. So, I mean, that in itself, so you started very close to you, right? You started with your family, you kind of slowly expanded out on the rest of your network of people. And then that just can, it just has continued to grow and grow um, since then. You know, do you find yourself like wondering, like constantly thinking like, how could I change this up? How can I get reach more people? You know, what advice would you give to someone in the community that is looking to host a fundraising event, like a happy hour with a cause or some other sort of, you know, gathering or, you know, now with, with this pandemic, a lot of things are going virtual you know, what advice would you give them to try to, as they're starting to think of maybe doing a hosting, a fundraiser, and what would you tell them to kind of look out for or prepare for um, since you've been doing it now and you've learned as you've gone, you know, over the years, um, hosting these types of events? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm always thinking of uh, new ways of getting donations, different ways of getting uh, businesses involved, reaching more people. Um, so, I mean, in terms of advice for people that are thinking about starting a fundraiser, just um, that there's no, there, there is no such thing as too small, you know? So, you know, if, you know, if you have a handful of people that are gathered for a fundraiser, don't get discouraged, you know, everybody starts somewhere. I mean, by no means do I think, like, I'm always trying to expand mine, you know, um, and I just feel that uh, every year I think we're getting, you know, more people involved. We're raising more money from that, from that event. Um, there's definitely uh, more ways that we can improve on that. And we're definitely uh, open to suggestions and we try to improve it every year. Um, but there's no, um, there's no amount that's too small. There's no event. There's no idea that's, um, uh, that that would be dumb, you know, cause uh, everybody, is into different things. So the, you know, so whatever you're into, whatever uh, you're thinking of a way to raise funds, you, I would just highly recommend that they speak to somebody in the chapter and just kind of throw a pass. I'm like, Hey, would you, would the chapter be okay if I held a fundraiser at this type of venue, you know, um, you know, w uh, with this in mind, uh, because I think that that's, you know, doing the fundraising thing, I know for me was kind of like intimidating. Like I wanted to do it because I wanted to raise more money. And it was actually, in, and it, it was really my wife's idea to, to do the fun, that to the happy hour fundraiser. Um, and once she said it, it kind of like, like really opened my eyes. I was like, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. We should try to do that. And then things kind of went from there. Um, do you find that you and Kate work really collaboratively on hosting the event? Are you guys like really like the captains for, for the whole team Robbie fundraising efforts? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. She, yeah. So we, I don't think it, 
like I said, it was her idea for the happy hour um, fundraiser. And uh, she's a, a huge part of that, you know, all the planning that we do leading up to it at the day of the event. Um, I mean, how, yeah, it would, uh, I don't know if I would be able to do as much as we do without her there. Um, but, so would you, would you probably give us advice also to someone looking to host their own fundraiser is to see if you could tag team it with somebody and maybe between the two people, you can kind of delegate, you know, each other's strengths and find, you know, collaboratively, you can find success that way possibly so that you don't feel like it always falls on, on you, you know? Um, so that might be something the way it sounds from what you're saying that yeah. having someone to kind of bounce ideas off of and kind of help you on day of, of those events. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause uh, the other thing that we do too, is that uh, having a partner is huge. And then also to the day of the event, you know, having a few people that you can kind of uh, delegate things to is huge because it, it, when we first did it, me and my, me and Caitlin were running around like chickens without a head. And, you know, we, it, the day was, we were able to do everything, but at the end of the day, we were like, our heads were spinning. So over the years, you know, we've tried to figure out like, okay, we're going to ask, you know, uh, so-and-so to take tickets at the door. We're going to ask so-and-so to walk around with the raffle tickets to sell. You know, we're going to ask so-and-so to just man the uh, table with all the raffle items on it. We're going to, you know, so the delegation part is huge. If you can have, you know, a, a handful of people from the beginning, that's perfect. If but at bare minimum, if you could have at least one other person to help kind of with the planning process up to the day of the event, and then, you know, delegate a couple of different um, uh, responsibilities out to people. Uh, I, I feel like that's, that's helped us out a lot in terms of being able to run the event more smoothly. And then also to, to, you know, to be enjoying the event also, because, you know, I think, you know, it makes people, you know, it puts, if you're running around, you know, like a chicken without a head at an event, you know, and for somebody that maybe doesn't know you or doesn't, you know, isn't familiar, they might be like a, might have turned them off a little bit, you know, whereas if they see somebody who's composed and happy and excited to be there and, you know, um, you know, really excited about um, what the fundraiser's for, I feel like then that makes them excited, you know, and then that also, you know, um, makes them more interested in what's going on. Um, so I, that, that, that's what I found helpful over the, um, over the time. And also too, because it's Make-A-Wish, you know, so many people are familiar with the organization. They might not know all the details, but it's uh, a big enough name where if you tell somebody you're doing something for Make-A-Wish, you know, it doesn't take much coaxing to kind of get them involved. And, and again, when you, when you, and, and having the experience, um, you know, as a wish sibling, you know, as somebody that's granted wishes, as somebody that's, uh, you know, been to different events, you, you see, you, um, you see on different levels, the impact a wish has on a child. You see the, the, uh, when a wish gets granted, you see the look, um, on the child, you see the look on the family. And right there, that is, uh, that's, it's touching and it's motivating all at the same time, you know? So it's like whatever, you know, uh, process you had to do to get to that point and you see the impact that the wish has for the kid and for the family, it's like, it's completely worth it. And I'll do that again. And not only would I do that again, but I'm going to pull in as many family and friends as I can. And then I'm going to annoy their family and their friends, you know, to get them kind of invested to help out. It, that, I mean, I mean, that, that's really, I mean, you, you kind of laid it all out there. So that's, that's really great. And thank you for, you know, sharing that because I know that that is a question that comes up with a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast is they want to, they, they're going to feel motivated to do something. They just may not know where to start. And the best place they can start is by giving us a call at the office. We have our community outreach coordinator, Claire, who can easily walk you through the process of how to get a, how to get an event off the ground. Um, and then, you know, obviously, like you said, if you have a friend that you, or, or uh, a partner, someone that you can really get together and, you know, collectively organize it and run it, 
um, and then kind of slowly build on it year after year or event after event, um, then you get to a place where you are raising thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, um, and in the beginning, it may be small, but like, you, but you make a good point in that every amount matters, every dollar counts. Um, there are kids right now that we have in the pipeline, we have over 200 kids um, that are currently waiting for their wishes. Um, many of those kids were wishes that were postponed as a result of the pandemic. And now moving forward, you know, we are going to be entering a time of our chapter that's unprecedented. You know, we've never um, been in a position the way we've been, um, that we're going to be, and we've been in, and will continue to be in, um, where we have so many kids that as soon as that switch goes up and says, hey, travel restrictions are now gone, you can now travel again, you know, we're going to have, you know, just over 50, 60, 70 kids, in addition of what we normally would have during the summertime that are going to want to travel, potentially, you know, if it is in the summertime when everything's lifted. So, you know, we are entering a, a time where a lot of uncertainty is, is ahead of us, but fundraisers like yourselves, the one that you host, um, you know, those are the ones that are really helping us keep on going. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Make-A-Wish is really a two-sided coin. We have wishes on one side and fundraising on the other. And it's kind of like peanut butter and jelly, totally different. But when they're together, it makes a really amazing sandwich. And we are able to really create amazing experiences for our wish kids. Um, How has COVID kind of impacted you? I mean, I mean, you're a firefighter. You're out there in the front lines. I mean, how has that been for you, your family? Um, Obviously, you have, Robbie's still really little. Um, you know, how has it been for you during this pandemic? How have you been kind of holding up? Yeah, I mean, like everybody, for everybody, you know, it's it's been rough at uh, at times, you know, a little crazy at times, uh, especially in the beginning when no one was sure kind of how uh, severe this was, um, you know, when everything was locked down and everybody was staying home and, you know, only going out if absolutely necessary. Um, so like everybody else, it was hard. Um, it's gotten a lot better. Same thing at work. Uh, when it first hit, it was really busy. Um, and again, because nobody kind of knew the severity of the um, of the virus, you know, the precautions we were taking at work were through the roof. Um, now that we've gained more information about it, you know, things have um, things have thankfully quieted down. Um, so uh, I'm not going to say that there things have gotten back to normal but they've gotten back to um, as normal as they can be for the times that we're in right now. If that makes sense. 100%. And, and, would, and you mentioned it earlier that, that this pandemic did impact your ability to host your fundraising for this year. Um, you know, how is the pandemic kind of impacting you as you're looking into 2021 or, you know, whenever you're planning to do things again, you know, is the pandemic kind of like in the forefront as you're planning, or is it more like, Hey, when this is over, we're doing this. Yeah, so I guess um, I would say my mindset is I'm on both. So, you know, on the on the one side, you know, um, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing the same thing we did this year in terms of fundraising. Um, we had to get a little creative this year because we couldn't hold the kickoff uh, happy hour fundraiser. Um, we had to, um, you know, really kind of uh, send out those emails, hit people, uh, have. Uh, I'm not on Facebook, but, you know, talk to my Caitlin, who is on Facebook to kind of make the push to donate. Um, And one of the things I wanted to say about the fundraising, too, is that um, the in terms of we started out small and then the more that we were doing it, the more serious that friends and family saw that we were about it, more people wanted to get involved. And then from there, you had people not, you know, pardon the. Uh, for lack of better terms, you know, coming out of the woodwork in terms of, you know, I had a close friend of mine say, say to me, Hey, Jay, um, my uncle actually has season tickets to the giants and he can donate two tickets to blah game. You know, well, how about we raffle those off and raise money that way? I was like, perfect. And then one of, um, uh, somebody else, a family friend of Caitlin's comes out and says, Hey, I have access to um, you know, I have a bunch of sports memorabilia, you know, um, through whatever connection they have. So, you know, the, I get the point I'm trying to make is, is that you never know kind of 
the connections or who you might inspire to get involved once you start. So even if you start out super, you know, super small, you know, that's not to say that next year or the year after that, you know, um, that somebody might come up and be like, oh, I have, you know, resources uh, to this or that um, to help kind of build. Because um, I feel like your involvement with, I feel like this is the type of organization where people see your involvement in it and it's infectious. They want to be, they want to get involved too. And then they start throwing out ideas of how they can be involved or, or things that, um, you know, or people that they might know or whatever, because again, they see how excited you are to be involved. Then they want that same excitement. So, and, and I just, I was just using those examples to show that like, that's kind of how we've been, um, we've kind of expanded what we're uh, our fundraising uh, and, and also too, uh, you know, we're uh, lucky and, and blessed that we have family and friends um, to, to, to make those type of donations for the people that are listening that maybe they want to get involved, uh, but they're not sure how I a hundred percent suggest to them to check out the website, specifically our chapters website, hudson.wish.org. Jen, just poke around for a little bit. There's a multitude of ways to get involved. Depend all the and it's for whatever you're comfortable with. If you have a, a car that's sitting out on the, the lawn there that you know maybe you don't drive and you whatever, you want to get rid of it, that make a wish has a program for you to donate that car, you know, use that money for a family their wish. You know, if you Yeah, know, and, and speaking about wheels for wishes, right. just to expand on it, that's <laughs> that no, that's perfect because you know, a lot of people like you know, like you just mentioned, they think of only a car. But it, it, it could be a bus, it could be an RV, it could be a, a boat, it could be a tractor, literally anything with a motor that uh, people are driving around in, that has the ability to be turnkeyed from something that, like you said, sitting on your lawn, getting rusty, uh, it's, it's an eyesore. Wheels for Wishes will coordinate with you and go and pick up the, the vehicle, um, sell it outright for parts, whatever way they sell it. And portion of those of those monies then comes back to us to the chapter. Um, over the last five years, they've raised over $200,000 just by doing this kind of stuff. It's, it's one of the most unbelievable yeah. programs. It's so low maintenance on our end. All we're doing is helping share that it exists. And then everybody else in the community is the ones really supporting it. Um, so like you said, Wheels of Wishes is a perfect example of a way that you can give back without necessarily going into your pocket and giving a dollar. It literally is, could be something that is just there that's really serving no purpose other than just being an eyesore uh, for you. So that's an easy kind and, of fix for them. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, it's a very easy process. Like, you know, like you said, you make the phone call and the company that, uh, that does it really takes care of the rest. And that's, it's basically just a phone call and you just donated a car to make a wish. Um, and but I don't you know could if also I can write some you, of the other programs. Please, yeah, go ahead, man. You're a fundraiser. This is exactly it. I mean, you know all the programs, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other one, and not to uh, sound uh, whatever, not to be all about me, but one of the other programs uh, that we actually took advantage of was the um, I forget what the name of it is, but um, Wedding for Wishes, the, uh, wedding program. Yeah, Wedding for Wishes. That's it. So for us. You know, we wanted, because uh, we've been, to, me and my wife has been to a, a, a million and one weddings and everybody always has that favor that is on the table and it's, you know, it's always dopey, you know? I, I don't know. It's those little candy know, eggs or it's the, uh, yeah, at least for the like Spanish weddings, shell. right? <laughs> yeah. Or like a little shell with like some sand. It's like, what, what, I don't, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. You know, like I'll hold, I'll take it just to be respectful of the person I'm attending the wedding to, but. Once I get home, that's going to be in the trash. Yeah. Right. So the wedding, the wedding uh, for wishes, what that what we did was we said, hey, listen, instead of us giving you, you know, some seashells and some sand, you know, that symbolize our love, we made a donation to Make a Wish. We used that same money. We made a donation to Make a Wish. So you know, our that donation is making a difference. Is actually doing something, as opposed to like I said, you know, those things are nice, but. If everybody's being honest, nine times out of ten, those are things that like, you know, end up if you hold on to it, it's in a closet somewhere collecting dust, you know, or like me, you know, for a lot of my friends, like, I, you know, 
some of those things might have ended up in the trash, maybe, you know, <laughs> or a closet with dust. I don't know. There but you go. You got them collected in the, in the back of your closet. Purpose. Yes. Uh, and then also, too, like, uh, uh, I don't know if people, um, you know, tra- now, now with the travel and everybody's traveling, but when times are good and people are traveling, Make-A-Wish has another program where you get some of the Sky Miles. Let's say you have too many for whatever reason, right? So if you've accumulated them and, you know, like me, like you're not like a huge traveler, but you got these miles and you really can't make them into a trip for yourself, you know, Make-A-Wish will take those miles and they'll give them to a family for them to use. So again, you know, if something that you might be have and it's not, you know, you're not going to use it, that's something that could benefit a, a family. And that's a great point. Right? I'm, I'm going mean, to segue that on up. that. No, that was perfect because especially now during the pandemic where travel is not permitted, um, a lot of travel is not permitted, right? Um, There's a lot of people in the community that had accumulated all these miles. Either there's an expiration date or they're not going to use them for whoever knows when they'll be able to use them. Take those air miles and donate them directly to our chapter at hudson.wish.org forward slash miles. You can go and uh, literally transfer those air miles into our account. We then, when we're coordinating wishes, we can take those air miles and start applying them to the cost of our wishes. Given that we're going to have, you know, over 50, 60, 70 kids on top of what we normally would have during the summertime, potentially to go travel somewhere, having air miles in the bank that we can go to for Delta, for American Airlines, for JetBlue, for all that kind of stuff is going to be a huge, huge help for us to help with our, co- to keep our costs down. Um, and it's such an easy thing that, I mean, there's chapters throughout the United States that they raise, you know, 10, 15, 20 million miles in like air mile, like telethons, you know? And, um, and it's one of those oh, just wow. easy things that could be done in the community that they don't know is an option to them. So thank you for sharing, for, for sharing it because it is one of those less known programs that we have within our chapter that, um, that are, is not being necessarily utilized, you know, by a lot of the members of our community that have the means to give those air miles. Yeah. And one of the, one of the other programs that you uh, mentioned that I was trying to um, not successfully, but I tried getting some of my younger relatives involved with was the kids for wish kids where, you know, it wasn't that long ago I was in school and we didn't, I don't remember having to do community service hours, but now apparently it's a, a requirement. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, well, this is the best of both worlds. You know, your, your kid or your niece or nephew, whoever, you know, can get their community service hours and actually be doing something, you know, um, actually be doing something, you know, kids for wish kids. Now you're, you know, you're fundraising for this organization, you know, that everything that you're fundraising is going towards a kid's wish or going towards the organization as a whole. So, uh, I feel, you know, I feel like it's a win-win for everybody because sometimes, you know, these young kids, they see Make-A-Wish and they want to get involved, but they're too, they're too young, right? So they can't be wish granters. They can't be hosting fundraising events, you know, but, you know, you don't underestimate them. They want to be involved just as much as, as, as I or anybody else is. So here's an opportunity for them to get involved. And then also too, you, and the bigger picture, you know, I mean, you know, community, community service hours, but also too, you know, it opens their eyes to the, to charity work as a whole, you know, to, to, to charity work within their community, you know? It's planting seeds in them where they yes. can grow um, in their philanthropy. Um, they're able to give of themselves for another kid, a lot of times similar age to them, um, who's going through a difficult time. They're able to, you know, they really have the opportunity to make a difference in, a chi- in another child's life. And, it's, and then when you're able to instill that, that sense of character in a child at that young of an age, especially now, because I mean, you and I are from a gen- generation right removed from the from millennials and millennials and those generations following everything. All they know is is giving back, is making a difference in the world. They've all been told you can make a difference in the world by just the thought of wanting to make a difference. You can make it happen, and so they've yeah. been instilled with these these mantras all growing up and now they're in a position to actually take control of that and put that into action. And the kids for wish kids program is this amazing program, you know, for kids managed by kids 
they're doing all the all the heavy lifting and we're supporting them with all the resources and and templates and that, anything else that they may need in order to get that event off the ground and during this time of the pandemic where a lot of kids now are doing virtual learning and moving into 2021 as they're getting ready to graduate in, in the summer of this year um, it's interesting because now all those hours that are needed are going to be kind of different in how they're going to be required why not get them involved now with with the kids for wish kids program they can do some different things leading up to it all could be a lot of it could be done virtually um, there's a lot of kids now I could tell you this um, I'm not that familiar with it and I'm not sure if you are but twitch is a is a it's a gaming platform where people are there playing video games like us with headsets like this they got a boom mic yeah, they're yeah. here playing these video games online but they're also utilizing that as a way to fundraise for a lot of things so there mm. are certain um certain kids that are already playing Fortnite, they're already playing all these other games like Among Us or anything else. And they're utilizing that platform that they're familiar with, they already know it, and they're using it as a as a avenue to do some fundraising for the organization. So we so we have a lot we, that that's something that a lot of people are starting to do slowly, you know, little by little. And um, and I think you'll see more of that as the years go on where you have kids utilizing the platforms that they're familiar with, like Snapchat, like Twitch, Instagram and all the other stuff that may come up in the in the pipeline, um, you know, similar platforms like that where they're utilizing it because they know it, they grew up with it, and now that they're at an age that where they want to be more philanthropic and want to give back to their community, this is a tangible way that they can give back. Um, so if you're a kid listening to this podcast or you're a parent who knows that their kid is on Twitch a lot or they're doing a lot of e-gaming, you know, talk to them about the Kids for Wish Kids program. You have utilize something that they're already into. And reframe it for them in a way that they can give back to the community. And this is something that would be really fantastic for, for more of our youth supporters to get involved in because it is, again, something they're already doing. A lot of times they're doing it for free. And if they can kind of you know monetize it and then donate that money to our chapter, um, it would be something that would extre be extremely helpful, especially during this time where we've found that a lot of our donations have dwindled as a result of the pandemic. We are not able to host external uh, events. Um, a lot of our events now are mostly virtual. Um, so, you know, this this type of out-of-box thinking of how to fundraise during a pandemic is the type of ideas that we're hoping the community brings to us so that we can help and support them in their efforts. So, um, yeah, the Kids for Wish Kids program, wonderful program. Um, and we encourage anyone that's interested in, in finding out more, you can check out our show notes in the episode description, or you can go visit hudson.wish.org forward slash kids. And you can find all the information on there on our website, as JD has, has mentioned. Do you find that Team Robbie is really a, a way to kind of keep Robert's memory alive in your family, in the community, let people know how, you know, how awesome he was? And, um, you know, is that, a, is this kind of a way that you're able to kind of keep him very close to you guys? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the things that I like to do uh, at the, um, at the beginning of some of these fundraisers kind of share some stories about him, you know, to kind of put, um, a personality and a face behind the efforts. Cause I feel that, you know, uh, I feel like it's easy to talk uh, in generality, but I feel like it's harder for people to ignore when it gets specific. So, you know, um, I don't, one of the things that I get fearful of is that pe people will see, uh, or hear my, uh, when we're doing the fundraising, we'll hear what I'm saying about my brother and, and think that it's for sympathy or whatever. And that's not the point. The point is to kind of give you an example of a personalized example of the impact that this organization had on his life, on my life, my family's life then, and how it's affecting us now positively and, um, and give you an idea of why, you know, I'm so motivated to be raising money for the organization um, and I feel that putting a uh, putting some stories behind his picture, I think, helps to kind of meld all that together, you know. Plus, that plus some of them are pretty funny. I find. Well, if it is anything like the one you mentioned about this, the first visit where he's here proposing to his wish granter. Um, yeah, I want to hear more of these stories. So share one. So share another, share another Robbie story because I, I would love to hear another one. You know, unfortunately, he had to, like many of our wish kids, uh, spend a lot of time in the hospital. And um, doctors are constantly coming in and out of his room, and um, some new to him and some not new. So one of the doctors um, had come into the, to the room, 
and they saw his last name and last name Spanish. So he assumed that Robbie spoke Spanish. So he started speaking Spanish to my brother. My brother did not know how to speak Spanish. I don't know how to speak Spanish that great, unfortunately, but he knew nothing at that time. So the doctor comes in and starts speaking Spanish to him. And my brother just, you know, looks at him and then just starts speaking gibberish, you know, just <laughs> not making any sense, but was serious, you know, and it, that kind of threw the doctor back a little bit and was like, you know, Rob, are you messing with me? And he, and he just kind of laughed and said, yeah. And, um, or there was another time the, um, one of the doctors that he became uh, familiar with comes in and um, like myself now is uh, that doctor was balding and he had a nice little like horseshoe going on and uh, male pattern baldness. Yes. Yes. The technical term. Um, And somehow in the discussion, my brother who again is like five or six at the time told him how he, you know, liked his haircut, (laughs) you know, making fun of the fact that he was bald and the guy just kind of chuckled like the six-year-old is just making fun of me because I'm bald. Like <laughs> who is this kid? No matter you know how long, you know, um, people have passed and, you know, but their memories are, are, are alive with us and live with us and, and all the fun stuff and fun things that they, that we remember of them is always at the forefront. While there are certain times that are sad, you think you could always go there, but you know, more, more likely than not, you have a lot more positive stuff to think about and fun stuff and stories. Right. You can kind of go back into the, the database of your mind and, and, and pull back out when you just want a, a giggle or a laugh. Right. So, um, yeah. so I could totally understand um, <laughs> some of the jokes you, your brother had on, uh, on the doctors yeah. and, and everything. That's yeah. awesome. Our annual walk for wishes is back in person this year. Join us on Sunday, October 17th at FDR State Park in Yorktown Heights and help grant the wishes of local children battling with critical illnesses. Registration is free and you can spark joy for local wish kids. We have teamed up with local vendors for a safe, family-friendly, pet-friendly, fun-filled event with wish inspiration every step of the way. Wishes are waiting, so we are walking. For more information and to register for free today, visit hudson.wish.org forward slash walk. And then one time, the last one, the, uh, so when we were younger, we were at a, a Catholic school and every uh, Christmas there was like the Christmas recital. So every grade had some little skit, whether you, you know, who was doing the Christmas carol, who was dressing in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, whatever. So um, because my brother was younger than me, his class went, would go first. Right. So, and at the time my family, my dad had just gotten a, uh, a tape rec- a video camera. Right. So back in the late eighties, those things were gigantic. So they're not the most, and they, and it was like, you know, a little clunky. So the videos don't come out that great. We make fun of them all the time about it. But so as he's filming, he's filming the whole event. And my brother's class comes into the auditorium. So my brother's, my father is filming them coming into the auditorium and you can hear him, my father talk to my mom and he goes, where's, where's Robbie? Where's Robert? You know, cause he should have been with this class and you can hear that. Then you can't hear what they say, but you can hear them go back and forth. You just, un, it's unclear. Mm-hmm. And um, then, you know, so he pans all the classes up on stage. They're all sit it down. And then like two seconds later, you see a teacher you know, dragging my brother in to the auditorium and plopping him down with the rest of his class. Then, it, then you come to find out that the reason he was late is because he was in the boys' bathroom with old couple older kids taking wads of paper towel, soaking them with water, and then throwing them on the ceiling of the bathroom, which is why he was wow. late. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. That's a good, that's a good one. And, and actually, that, that's a good segue into you know, talking about memories. Um, we have a shooting star segment as part of our podcast, which is a series of questions where we ask our guests to say the first thing that comes to mind or you know, a short kind of response to the, to the question. And the first one I actually wanted to ask you is, I mean, you have a lot of memories you know, about the wish and about your fundraising efforts and, and wishes you've granted and events you've attended and speaking engagements you've, you've spoken at. What would you say is your favorite Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley memory out of all of those? 
So as as a wish granter, there we had a um, there was a wish where the the child wanted to go to Disney, and um, for medical reasons they weren't getting approved, so they couldn't go. So we had to think outside the box, and we and we ended up um, bringing Disney to them. At um, they we were able to utilize one of the rooms that um, that they at the, uh, one of the facilities that they, they do treatment in. And we were able to have like a, a bunch of these Disney characters almost do like a, uh, a Disney on ice type of show for this girl and her family. Um, so, you know, they were part of the process, but they didn't, they knew they had an idea of what was going to happen, but they didn't know the details. So we set the room up, we Disneyed the room up. And um, so they come in and then the characters come in and you could just see like the, the daughter's eyes just like lit up, you know, the mom's eyes, you saw her eyes, you know, light up. You saw a big smile on both their faces for the mom. You saw her shoulders kind of relax, you know, and, and, you know, you're looking at the daughter and she's just, you know, she, she couldn't look more happy, you know? And so just, just to be a part of that. And to, I mean, you know, and, and see that moment of both of them kind of, um, you know, happy and at ease was just like, uh, like that was like a, in my mind, that's like the postcard of like, you know, m- you know, reason number 1,672,000 of why I'm involved, you know? Um, so that one sticks out. That was, that was nice. That's a great, it, that's- it was a wish too. that didn't really go to as planned. And there was a couple of bumps in the road as long as we went. So, you know, to have that moment kind of come together so nice for them and have them, see their reaction to it really kind of uh, made you feel good about the whole process. Oh, that's awesome, man. And I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about wishes. Um, you know, there's, there's five different categories of wishes that we grant. I mean, the five formal ones are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. If you could have a wish, you know, what would it be? It would be, mine would definitely be a travel wish. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, mine would definitely be a travel wish. Where to exactly, I don't know. Maybe multiple destinations kind of thing, like around the world in 80 days type or something. <laughs> but it would be something travel. It would be a bunch of different places. That's that's cool. And in one word, um, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Yeah, the first one that pops to my mind is just amazing. Amazing. And, and that's exactly how this, this episode has gone. Amazingly. JD, thanks again for uh, for taking some time out and sharing your experience as a Wish brother, and um, and uh, tell sharing story these fun stories about your brother Robert, and um, and just all the things that you guys have been doing to you know as a community, as a family, and as an extended network, you know, with your fundraising efforts. So thank you so much, yeah. man. Ah, thank you. To our listeners, remember you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast to help us reach as many people as possible about our wonderful mission. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing our podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and healthy.